So, you read through it with me, and um, it's obviously about idolatry today. And uh, we have really been talking on different parts of idolatry the uh, last um, few uh, sections in Corinthians. And really, after I do this one this week, uh, Pastor Brian will pick up the subject again and uh, talking about um, idols. So um, I had an interesting quote here from D.L. Moody, and uh, he died in 1899. So um, I can imagine it's much worse now than what he saw at the time. But he says, you don't have to go to heathen lands today to find false gods. America's full of them. Whatever you love more than God is your idol. And that's a great definition um, for you. Whatever you love more than God is your idol. So we as Christians shouldn't love anything more than God. There's a lot of things we like. There's a lot of things we like to do. Um, But if we keep God in his place and us in our place... Um, it won't be an idol to us. The um, When I was thinking about idols and thinking about doing this, um, I thought of Corinthians at the time the, in Corinth. Um, they had giant uh, temples to uh, idols. And it was kind of their social thing to do. Uh, we all have football games and basketball games and baseball games and soccer games and all those different kinds of sports that we've built giant stadiums for and all. But uh, they built these giant temples for their gods to be in. And it was a social thing. They'd all go to the temple and eat uh, food that had been sacrificed to the idol together. And uh, so... But I don't think of that that much in our here today in Indiana. But um, along the lines of what they did back then, I thought of um, this uh, Hindu temple just up the street, just up uh, German Church. I don't know if you've driven by it. I'm sure a lot of you have. You know, it's an amazing building. It's one of those you'd kind of just like to sit and look at a little. um, Just covered with little gods and things all over it. Um, It's also disgusting in another uh, aspect when we think of these are all gods that are against our God. um, God the Father, Jesus, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, This temple, though... I looked it up online, um, and it shows on their website, they proudly state they have 17 gods inside of their temple. And uh, there's pictures of each of them online, and you can see what they are. And they're, you know, brightly adorned. Uh, Many of them are golden-looking, and uh, 17 gods. It also says that if you want, you can come to the temple. You've got to take your shoes off at the door to come in. And you can go around to each of these gods and give them um, offerings. 
and fruits, vegetables, or money. They will take all. Uh, I think fruits and vegetables because um, the Hindus are generally vegetarians or vegans. I think part of that is the, the, um, they have 330 million gods. Most of them are living creatures um, uh, like cows. Cows are one of their more sacred things. So they don't want to eat their gods. So you need to bring them vegetables and fruits. So there you have an example of probably very much like what um, they used to have in the uh, Corinthian area and what uh, Paul had to talk out against. I um, I know some people like points. So after I'd written this, I said, oh, I should have put some points down. So um, I have five points in this, in this little section of Scripture. Number one was Paul's loving call out of idolatry, verses 14 and 15. Um, number two was uh, verses 16 and 17. Being participants in the service makes us part of the worship group. And there's two sub-points under there. Those who take communion are part of the body of Christ, or the church, we would call it. Um, and letter B, those who took part in the altar were part of the people of Israel. You weren't part of the people of Israel if you weren't giving your um, sacrifices, as was ordered in the law. Number three, which is verses 19 and 20, to be part of idol worship makes us participants with demons. And I find that, uh, that frightening. Um, you don't usually think about that. You think of people getting wrapped up in an idol and that just kind of drawing them astray. But behind most idols are demons. Uh, point number four, verse 21, you can't take the cup of the Lord with the cup of demons. They don't mix. We can't do that. And point five, uh, a warning, do not provoke the Lord to jealousy. There in verse 22. So we, uh, five points as we go through this. Our first point, um, let me read these first two verses again. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry to since I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. So here in verse 14, uh, it starts with the word therefore, and we know when they use the word therefore, you want to look before that and see what he was talking about. Well, that's uh, the section that Trey taught on last week. Um, and part of his was also on idolatry. So here Paul is drawing a conclusion from those first 13 verses. And he says, therefore, 
Then he says, my beloved, therefore my beloved. I, uh, I want to point out that he cares for them. Uh, yeah, he's probably mad at them if they're mixing it up with idols. But he's worked hard in that church. He's brought the gospel to that church. He loves those people. I think you'd find that your pastors, your deacons, and really all your members in this church, they care for you. If you're caught up into something, talk to one of them. Uh, I hope they are going to treat you with that kind of loving care that Paul brings. But he doesn't mince words here. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And um, not very original, but I think it fit. That's the title of my sermon, Flee from Adultery. It's a dangerous thing. And... um, it's a uh, it's a scary thing. I uh, I thought as I thought about it, it's telling me that sometimes it's better to run than fight. Uh, sometimes we just got to get away from that temptation, whatever it is. And uh, I read a um, a book on um, personal protection. Um, for you to um, personal defense and uh, a couple years ago and I don't remember it all uh, I couldn't fight my way out of a wet paper bag I don't think Uh, my big uh, defensive weapon is I'm going to grab somebody and throw them down and sit on them till I get somebody to take care of them but uh, he had a whole chapter there on knife fighting and he went through several things where he gave you um, you know spots to stab at or cut at that might help you to succeed he told you how to fight defensively uh, knife in one hand and guarding with the other hand (coughs) he even talked about uh, going uh to train with some people in Canada. Uh, The Canadian Army had a uh, uh, training area for knife fighters. And uh, his conclusion of that chapter is one that I take seriously and I think about. He says, if you're ever going to get in a knife fight, the other guy pulls a knife, run. And uh, I think it's good advice, especially after I heard in that whole chapter how... If they stab you here, it'll kill you. If they stab you there, it'll kill you. Some of the arteries, if they cut within four or five heartbeats, you'll be dead. And um, so run. But this is what we're talking about with idols. Um, Paul thinks they are that dangerous. God thinks they're that dangerous. If you uh, get messed up with them, you can likely get messed up not with just a dead idol that uh, can't really talk to you, can't comfort you in any way, but also an idol who maybe has a uh, demon working behind the scenes to uh, drag you down. So, idolatry, very dangerous. Um, and, of course, it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, in Exodus 20, we have the Ten Commandments. 
starts off with, you shall have no other gods before me. And basically, I've read that while it can be putting God in line behind other gods, it can also be you can't have any other gods, period. And I think that's the way we should take that. There are no gods that we should have other than the true God. Then um, the second commandment, uh, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth below or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I think he makes it pretty plain. You shouldn't have any idols. You shouldn't have any other gods, period. Then uh, verse 15, still part of, uh, still part of our first point. Um, I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. I feel like uh, as he says that, Paul says that there, um, I read some commentaries that think, well, maybe he was um, uh, being a little joking as he said that uh, because the Corinthians were in trouble a lot. They were doing a lot of bad things. But I think he truly cared about them. He thought they had enough sense to understand what he's telling them. And I, as I'm Hearing that, I'm, I'm just thinking of us uh, in the way we should treat people when we witness to them. Or uh, maybe, as I mentioned, if somebody in the congregation is having a problem with something and they come to you, we want to treat them as sensible people. Uh, treat them with a uh, gentle and uh, respectful mode. First uh, Peter 3.15 but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. People aren't going to lo- listen to us if we just start telling them, oh, idolatry, like I just said here, with, uh, that's against the first and second commandment. Well, we need to be more respectful than that. We need to reason with them in a gentle and respectful way. Uh, Our next point, uh, which is uh, verses 16 and 17. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The blood that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Um, The bread that we break. I should have said, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So um, this, uh, this section here is uh, being participants in the service makes us part of the group. Um, if you are here and you participate in our communion, we're assuming 
I can't see your heart, but we're assuming that you're a Christian like we are. And so you're part of the group. Uh, let's read, um, or let me uh, read a couple verses as we talk about the cup of blessing. And of course, he's talking about <clears throat> the blood of the covenant. Mark twenty fourteen twenty four. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So Jesus took that cup that was called the um, cup of blessing from the uh, Passover feast. And he designated that as the uh, cup of, um, of the covenant. And uh, he said that was his blood in there, that wine that we drink or juice that we drink so he's relating it to himself the bread we break first corinthians eleven twenty four, and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me so um <clears throat> part of what uh paul wants us to see in here is that this bread that we eat at communion is something that unites us and uh, brings us together. It, uh, we're all getting that same peace uh, that Christ bre- breaks off for us, has broken off for us. And uh, since we're all eating from the same bread, the same body, we become part of the church and one in uh, that body. So... Um, <clears throat> We're united into one body through communion. The, uh, then we have the people of Israel. That's the uh, second part of this um, being participants in the service makes us part of the group. Just a short little section there. Uh, verse 18. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar. And if you look, that's a repeating uh, word there. Participants is was up in verse 16, and now it's again down in verse uh, 18. But those, uh, those who eat the sacrifices are participants in the altar. They, um, and has being participants in the altar, they're part of the people of Israel back then. Um, thankfully God came and we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore because Jesus was our sacrifice and uh, so we rely on him but his his point is to be part of Israel they had to be part of the altar and the sacrifices on the altar verses 19 and 20 uh, coming up next to be part of idol worship makes us participants with demons. So again, we, um, what do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to per- be participants with demons. And there's that word again, participants. Um, 
we see uh, Paul is equating when they go into the idols and they eat the food from the idols' sacrifices, um, they're participating with demons. So what they're doing is making them a member with the demons, sadly. Um, the uh, <clears throat> He asks so many questions in this, if you read down through it, if you're looking at it in your Bible. You just got to notice how many questions Paul asks. I feel like that's part of his helping us to reason through this. Uh, but uh, he says, is the food offered to idols anything? No, <clears throat> it's just regular food given to us by God. There's nothing special about that food. It's special because God gave it to us. But um, is an idol anything? No, is the answer. They're just wood, stone, metal. They can't do anything. Uh, and then I, I put in there, well then, what's the problem? These sacrifices are going to demons. That's the problem. We should never be united with demons. I don't know if you guys get lots of Bibles. I do. I have too many probably. I should probably give more away. I bought this evidence Bible by uh, Ray Comfort. And uh, when I was looking up things about this section, he had a little note down here in, on verse 20. And I just thought I'd read it. It's interesting because I think it applies to our Hindu um, friends up north of here. To many, Eastern religions have a sense of romantic mysticism. It must, therefore, be a surprise to find that India has 220 million cows. They are worshipped as the supreme givers of life. In parentheses, he has God. They worship him as a God. The cow's hooves are bathed in religious ceremonies. This is kind of gross, but I guess it's true. Their urine is considered holy and is used to anoint believers. I think I'd get out of the club at that point. Um, the animal's dung is also applied to the skin of the faithful in religious rituals. They believe that all the gods inhabit some part of the cow's body. Now, Ray Comfort tells us all this, and then he, if you ever watch him or listen to him, he is a guy with a sense of humor. Then he says, um, A Christian revival in India would not only provide eternal salvation for the country, but would also release enough meat to feed their hungry population. Oh. Kind of a, a funny thought, but a, but a sad thought, too, that uh, that whole country, uh, we think of starvation over there a lot, and uh, they have cows that they won't eat, and they have chickens that they won't eat, um, and people are starving to death. Let's see, and they're rubbing dung on their skin. Oh, my goodness. 
and pouring pee over their heads. Oh, what a mess. We, uh, if, if you're not sharing the gospel with people, you are, you're doing a disservice to people. People are trapped in that kind of stuff. They don't know any better, many of them. Um, we need to share the gospel. Verse 21, <clears throat> that's my last point here. Warning not to provoke the Lord to jealousy. A warning not to provoke the Lord to jealousy. Let me... Uh, I skipped one, I'm sorry. Number, or uh, verse 21, actually, uh, says you can't take the cup of the Lord with the cup of demons. The, um, the verse here, verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. So, Again, it's pretty straightforward stuff. I know I'm, it's nothing groundbreaking to you guys as you read this, but, um, but you do need to think about it. Uh, the cup of the Lord never mixes with the cup of demons. The table of the Lord never mixes with the table of demons. <clears throat> First Cor- or Second Corinthians 6.15 What accord has Christ with Belial? I think is how you say it, B-E-L-I-A-L. And that's a name for Satan, and that name means worthlessness or destruction, both of which do describe Satan very well. He's worthless, but yet he causes a lot of destruction. 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company ruins good morals. Uh, in the temple of idols, there is plenty of bad company. You don't need to be in there. That's a, that's a good place to stay away from. Um, I ca- as I said, I didn't even go into the temple over there. I looked it up online. You might want to do the same thing just to see what, uh, what's happening there. But it's a, it's a sad thing. Now, verse 22. Um, And my final point then, number five, a warning not to provoke the Lord to jealousy. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? How do we answer that? No. No, we're not stronger than God. Nobody is. He made everything. How could we be stronger than him? Um, first off, his first statement there, again, we have questions here. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? No. Um, Deuteronomy 32, 16 and 17. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known to new gods that had come recently whom your fathers had never dreaded so by going to all these idols they were provoking god psalm 78:58 for they provoked him to anger 
with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. Are we stronger than he? And again, that is just such a stupid question. But uh, maybe we need to ask ourselves that sometimes. I, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes... You know, I catch myself doing something I shouldn't be doing, and I think, oh my goodness, God is watching me right now. Um, And hopefully, I repent at that point. But uh, He is so much higher and far above us, knowing everything and able to do everything. Uh, Hebrews 10, 31 it's a fearful thing to fall on the hands of the living God. <clears throat> that, uh, that whole idea that uh, uh, it's appointed once unto a man to live and then the judgment. There's a judgment day coming. And you who have not believed in him face that judgment falling into the hands of the living God. And uh, that is frightful. That's a frightful idea. Hebrews 11.25, our God is a consuming fire. Um, We know times when uh, he has had his angels uh, cause great destruction. Or uh, think of Sodom and Gomorrah. They so provoked him that he didn't give them any mercy, did he? He just let them have it. And we think, uh, I wish we knew for sure, but I think Sodom and Gomorrah is there under the Dead Sea, which is nothing but uh, salt now. Um, It's so salty in the Dead Sea, you can, I guess, just float on top of it without even swimming. Um But God did that, um, and he could do that again. We know he's eventually going to destroy the world by fire. Isaiah 45, 9 and 10, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who formed it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles. Woe to him who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman, with what are you in labor? Nahum 1.6, who can stand before his indignations? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. His strength is immeasurable. Um, there's nothing we could do um, if he comes against us. We need to watch. I know I've been uh, going through this part pretty quickly, and it's pretty straightforward. And uh, but now I'm I'm thinking, what do we think about idols today, or what are idols today? I know there are still people who worship idols made of wood, metal, castings, uh, sculptures, paintings, kind of like our friends the Hindus up the way. 
But today in Indiana, our idols are mostly different, yet still very dangerous, aren't they? Still just as dangerous, actually. I have a few, um, a few more verses I want to read for you, just to get us zeroed in uh, on what we're talking about here. Romans 1, 21 to 25, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. <coughs> but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling, resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurities, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I guess the two little parts that I'd look at here, especially when we're thinking about idols, is um, where it says they exchanged the glory of the mortal God um, for images. And that's idols. Uh, Yeah, we're not carving idols today in the same way, but we have lots of idols, which we'll get to in a second. Um, But our one thing should be the immortal God, and that's who we should be worshiping. And then down below there, it says... They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the create, create the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. But um, we have all kinds of idols um, and want to serve the creature to have our worship for our idols. And uh, we're exchanging, when we do that, we're exchanging the truth about God. He's the only one that deserves worship. Colossians 3 5 Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, greed, that is, which is idolatry. Well, we know um, one of those Ten Commandments again says, You shall not covet. And um, as you read through Exodus 17 here, after he says that, um, he says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Now, how many of us would like to have somebody we say, I'd like to have their house. That's the nicest house in the neighborhood. You know, kind of like Bob's house. Uh, It's one of those where you're like, wow. But uh, um, now wants don't make it an idol. It's how our heart is. Are we elevating that want up to making it an idol? 
you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Unfortunately, we know that happens, don't we? And uh, that can be an idol. Or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey. Not many of our neighbors have ox and donkey nowadays, but maybe. Or anything that is your neighbor's. Maybe you like his Cadillac next door or her Corvette next door. And it's you're allowing it to become an idol in your heart. <clears throat> the uh, Matthew 6.24 uh, talks about no one can serve two masters. And I think that's what we were talking about when we talked about you can't take the cup of, of God and the cup of demons that'd be two masters wouldn't it but um in this verse uh it says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money and money is money is so big today to us And I think God would say, well, rightfully so, it's important. Um, you got to pay for things. you got to take care of your family. Um, But it's so easy to fall into that things you need to things I want and make that money such a high, high priority that it becomes an idol. 1 John two, sixteen, it's one a lot of us may remember. I, I always remember it more from the uh, King James Version and those three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that is the foundation of many of what we would call idols in our lives. Is uh, the things we lust after. <clears throat> things we make an idol and um, I'll give you this one just for you to uh, to look at later second Peter 3 10 to 13 it's just a reminder that someday God is going to come back and he's going to wipe the earth off wipe it clean and create a new heavens and a new earth and Paul there or Peter there says Knowing this, what kind of life should you lead? Well, you ought to clear out those idols, for one thing. Uh, but then your life ought to be lived in holiness and uh, godly lives. Let's go down here and um, idols. I just wrote down, I said some. And I know you guys could probably think of others. If you want, you can yell something out in a minute. Uh, Many, just for the effects of it, idolize drugs or alcohol, um, cars. The commercials are nonstop. Uh, We always are seeing newer, better cars every single year. And it's so attractive. And people want that. And it can become an idol. Houses, we had mentioned already. 
Um, who would have thought from back when I grew up we had phones that we dialed with a little uh, um, dial on it. Um, nobody would have thought of that as an idol back then. Uh, but they are idols these days. Uh, people want that newest phone. And they can't wait to spend their money to buy the newest phone. TV, probably not the idol it used to be, but it's still an idol. I had to confess sometimes I let it eat up too much of my time. And uh, so I have to watch myself and uh, not let it become an idol. Food, uh, don't look at my belly right now. Um, but food can be an idol. Uh, money, jobs, careers, uh, even beauty. Uh, people make that such an idol. Um, men, even on women sometimes, muscles become an idol. Good health, sports, gambling, status. Your status is important. Your girlfriends, your boyfriends, your husbands and wives all may be something that you might make an idol. Children. Some people just want so bad to have children, and uh, that becomes their entire life as a child. And don't get me wrong, my children are very important to me, and my grandchildren are. But at the point that we make it all about them, um, ahead of God even, uh, it becomes an idol. Successfulness, uh, music, education, keeping up with the Joneses, as we used to say in the old days, which is really looking at your neighbors and what they have and wanting to have whatever the neighbor has. Uh, clothes, friends, uh, being with the in crowd. And the more I thought about it, I thought, well, some people want to be with the out crowd. They're proud of being with the out crowd. So both those ends of that can be, uh, can be idolistic uh, to be young. I read uh, just the other day of a man who is spending $2 million a year. He's obviously a very wealthy person. He's in his 40s and he wants to look like an 18-year-old. And uh, the picture I saw, he looks, he looks pretty good, I'd have to say. But $2 million a year, that obviously is an idol to him, being young. Um, security, uh, both physical and financial, those things are things we hope for. But sometimes we can make those an idol uh, that we think is more important than all else. And I put on here the new thing, because every year you'll get the best thing ever. You'll have that idol, and next year they'll change it, and it'll be something else that you think you have to have. Uh, the uh, praise team for Rick sits down. Uh, might want to make their way up here. I just have a few more things here at the end. Um, if you are not a believer in Christ Jesus, you may already be trapped in idolatry. I hope not. Um, we all want to worship something. So if you're not a believer, 
it's a good chance you're trapped in some kind of idolatrous relationship, which means you probably have dealings with uh, demons. You may not realize it, but you do. Your best hope is to hear and believe that Jesus lived a perfect life without sin. He was then arrested and delivered to be executed on the cross. He was punished for our sin, not for his sin, because he was sinless. He never sinned. He was buried. He rose from the grave, resurrected on the third day. He overcame death so that we too could have everlasting life with him. Tell me, uh, non-believer, are you happy with your idol? Does your idol give you forgiveness of sin, peace of heart and mind, love and joy? Um, Maybe you should consider Jesus Christ. His, uh, his benefits are great. Eternity with Him in heaven. That's a place that's so good that I can't even imagine it. Uh, but I know the things that won't be there. There will be no more death, no more dying, no more people. There will be no more hospitals. We won't need that anymore because we'll all be healthy. And there will be no more sin and uh We have so much sin, it's hard to imagine no more sin. But uh, maybe you should consider Jesus Christ. And you're welcome to talk to me afterwards if you're wondering about that or some of the other people here. For you who believe in Jesus, I hope you see that we have great freedom in Christ, Jesus. But Christianity and idol worship do not mix. We need to flee from idols. They are dangerous. Yet Christ is always waiting for us to come back to him, isn't he? The father we heard about in the, in the Bible, is um, he waits for the prodigal child to come back to him. He wants him. He's looking for him. So if you've gone astray... Come back. He's not going to um, be mad at you. He'll be happy. When one lost sheep is found, the angels rejoice. All heaven rejoices. Uh, If you've wandered away, come back. Uh, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this um, stern warning today about idolatry. Help us to look in our hearts. Help us to, um, to try to get that out of there. And help us to turn to you. Because you ultimately are the one who can forgive that sin. And you're the one who can keep it out of our lives. Uh, Help us, Lord, to come to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.